podcast ain't played nobody. Sunday edition. Little groggy, little horse. Uh, a little better for it because this was, as we told you, not going to be a bad weekend. Bill, this was um, this was dumb fun instead of big fun. I think that's yeah. what you tweeted about, like maybe late last night. Um, pretty solid weekend overall, and really, I think other than mid, maybe mid afternoon, was consistent viewability even for a casual fan, which is what we told you would happen. Yeah, no, that's that's how, what I specified, and you'll have to forgive me for my I tailgated yesterday horse voice I've got going on here. It's pretty sexy if you ask me, but um, I think so. Okay, good, good. We're we're in agreement. Um, yeah, I mean that's what like week one. Some weeks have uh, landmarks. You know, we 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 have to watch this game. We have to watch this game. These are the big games, and these are going to be very important for you know the horse race or whatever. And then there are some weekends where. You just let the wave take you where you need to go because on those big landmark weekends, there are still crazy, ridiculous things because this is college football. It's just we're not paying attention to them because we have these big games to watch. When there's not a set of marquee games like yesterday, we just follow around and watch crazy stuff, and, and it's kind of Twitter at its best. Like everybody flipping over, oh, Central Michigan's got an untimed down. I better go flip over to this and see what happened. And then, you know, 47,000 OMGs uh, on, on, on the old tweet deck there uh, afterwards. It was a, a lot of fun, uh, and it really is like everybody's following each other around on the remote control, and that's that's a good time in and of itself. This was not consequential. Like, I guess technically, like, Oklahoma State was eliminated from the from the playoff race, and, and TCU now has got a, an uphill battle and all of those. So, I mean, I, it's always consequential, I guess, were, but not really. There are a lot of brands involved in – a lot of national title brands involved in completely meaningless games. It's just right. that the pure stock of college football allows you to, to sidestep that unless you're just so myopic about a particular – like, I mean, I'll be honest. It's been two weeks in a row now where both Ohio State and Michigan have played games that were utterly meaningless for watchability and for casual interest. And so I think that – takes a big chunk of the national media narrative of oh this is boring to watch you know same could be said i mean you go scroll down real fast and you look at so alabama uh florida state ohio state michigan houston washington uh oh hey wisconsin in the top 10 that seems suspect uh oklahoma iowa you know all we we put so much stock in Asico and it ended up being probably the least watchable of the games that we had dog-eared yesterday so there were all the way down to like, gosh, what, Notre Dame, Ole Miss. I mean, there were a lot of the Texas A&M, even, even with the quarterback change at LSU, we'll touch on it real fast in a second. Um, yes, the majority of, of the contender teams or teams of interest were, were not involved in quality games, but like, college football. I think, I mean, honestly, Central Michigan, Oklahoma State, and I think Pitt and Penn State alone kind of saved the morning. And then, really, there was, a, like I said, there was a valley mid afternoon. Um, it wasn't a perfect day, but we didn't ask for that. Um, can I actually start backwards with you? Uh, sure. Um, San Diego State beats Cal. Yep. Boise State beats Wazoo. Um, one thing we do like to talk about on the show, and the only rule for Sunday is we're not going to project this too far out, but these are two teams that I do think is a the, that's a PAPN special in terms of the Mountain West because yeah. um, if there were going to be hiccups, those were going to be the hiccups. So what did you see? I, I, I checked out at about halftime on both of those um, just from because I'm actually in route today to go do uh, a, a new video for SB Nation, but um, – I was San Diego State is probably the quietest good team in the group of five in years. 
in terms of like oh, even we yeah. don't talk about them. Yeah, no, I mean that was um, when I was setting up their preview. Well, when I was setting up their 2015 preview, I said, you know, if they're ever going to break through, it's probably going to happen like now, and it and it did. So I I felt good about that one. And then you know you look at what they return; they return a ton. So I mean, this really. I'm not going to say we're going to end up with 12 and 0 SDSU versus 12 and 0 Boise in the Mountain West title game. I mean, hey, it's not off the table. Wow. Um, but I mean, they are, they really are both high quality programs, and, and the Aztecs might be better. I, I was, I mean, yesterday, how can you? Uh, again, they uh, they they didn't pass very well, which they never really do. But they've got a great defense. Um, you know, Davis went through for 500 yards, but it took him 72 passes to do it. Uh, you know, they had the pick at the end of the game. Um, you know, they, I just, I, I was, I was impressed. They look like San Diego State, and they had Donnell, they have Donnell Pumphrey who rushed for 281 yards, um, and that's that's all they need. It's not particularly sexy football, but they're really good at it, and they've got the athletes now uh, to play a very good version of it. So, yeah, this was, I mean, this was a bigger, you know, I, I guess you could look at these two games and and you know make it a Pac-12 narrative, you know, Pac-12 in crisis or whatever. Um, but honestly, I mean, A, Washington State and California aren't two of the Pac-12's best teams. Uh, they were both underdogs, I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah, they were both underdogs. Um, but this was big for the Mountain West to really, you know, they their notoriety is kind of this year kind of be based on how well these two teams do, and they both uh, just beat Pac-12 teams. 2-0 Colorado, 2-0 Wake Forest. These are things that are happening. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, it's, I'm trying to find, you know, uh, there aren't a, there aren't a ton of surprises in terms of teams that like have jumped out. We're still a little too early for that, but, um, there isn't a ton in terms of like breakout. Yeah. I feel like week three, we'll probably be able to go, Oh wow. And really rally around something. Um, by the way, I guess we, since I, I, I tripped you up and started backwards, um, I, probably nodded out last night like an old man when Grambling was um, just closing the door on Arizona. Oh, yeah, I tried uh, that. I, I knew what was going to happen, but I, I 28, stopped 28 points in the second half, and Arizona comes back 31-21. Um, uh, you know, without it, it, that was another game I didn't watch a stitch of. I think that was on Pac-12 I, Networks. I, I couldn't have if I wanted yeah. to. Um, but without having watched a stitch of it, I can't say I'm entirely shocked. I think there are probably some some severe growing pains installing the new defense, which was supposed to stop some of the pains that they were having. Um, well, and, and I mean, yeah, in terms of the HBCU universe, I mean, NCAAT is the clear number one. By the way, big congrats to NCAAT for beating Kent State yesterday. That I was saw that. Very cool, and then Grambling's probably either number two or three in the in the HBCU ranks, and so yeah, if anybody was going to challenge an Arizona, kind of a shaky team, still trying to got, kind of get its sea legs back after last year, uh, Grambling was one of them. And of course, one of those top teams as well as Prairie View, who uh, didn't uh, do much against Texas A&M, but no, good, really good for NCAAT. That's a nice. Um, a really nice win for a program that, I mean, A, they've got one of the better running backs in the country, uh, and B, just it's a, a, a nice flagship for the MEAC there. So well done there. Um, so what I was thinking we could do overall, though, is just kind of really quickly, let's see, I've got a timer set. It's going to ding obnoxiously in about 17 and a half minutes. Got it. Um, walk through the weekend from start to finish as quickly as possible. Uh, just keen on specific games. First of all, Louisville-Syracuse. 
Uh, all I really have to say about this game is that I was really happy Syracuse kept scoring so that Louisville would have to keep Lamar Jackson into the game past halftime, uh, and that totally paid off. I know a ton of people, and I don't I don't really gamble on college football. I don't gamble at all, but I know a ton of people who thought it would be fun to take Syracuse here. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's just one of those things where maybe – Syracuse projected really well in my well, not really well, but better than anybody would have probably guessed in my numbers because of their experience level. Um, obviously, you know you still have to have talent, and defensively, we we don't really know if Syracuse has any. But um, so I mean, I think that was a big cause of of the the spread being what it was. Nobody completely knowing about Louisville just yet, and uh, you know the the computers kind of like in Syracuse a little more than what you would expect. That will now adjust a good amount after after Friday. So I talked to somebody. I talked to somebody who's in in the industry. I'll leave it at that. Uh, you, you were joking about Syracuse keeping it relevant enough for Lamar Jackson to play. I think it's also what drove uh, College Game Day to come to Louisville next week. Um, that and Ole Miss losing to Florida State last week. But because now you have a dynamic, fun. Uh, breakout player potentially Heisman candidate and then yeah. you also have undefeated Florida State so that ought to be interesting huge win for the ACC it also didn't help Ole Miss Alabama that there were two game days in a row with SEC teams right. yeah. um, Saturday morning I'll just breeze past Maryland winning a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. forgettable game yeah, against FIU game <laughs> yeah thank God um, so Pitt Penn State there's a ton of stuff there I, I said in, I said online in print I don't know what the what I'm supposed to use anymore I'll just say in print uh, this was a must-win game for James Franklin, and in the first half, it looked like it was the must must-win game that was going to cost him his his job at Penn State. Except then it didn't, and and then it did. So it, people asked me, like people were pinging me after the game, like, "What now? Is he fired?" Um, I don't know. I think it's almost the exact same situation he was in last year, except now because the offense opened up and because Joe, Joe Moorhead's system looks like it's going to work because because that Narduzzi defense is good. Um, they have to now beat Temple um, uh, handily, and then also yeah. they've now they have to now they have to win one of those games that I said they didn't if they won the state. So like yeah. a Michigan uh, yeah, State, yeah. a Michigan Ohio State. Um, by the way, and I hate to shift this around and just talk about Penn State. Pitt is good. Pitt is fun. Yeah, I really like Pitt. Pitt is not Pitt anymore, and um, I think that that's that's worth recognizing. There was a lot of debate over whether or not it was the fact that Penn State came to town. Or that Pitt and the fan base had a something tangible to hold on to, really build around to put in more Pitt fans into Heinz Field. It doesn't matter. It was like a really cool environment uh, to just to see on television. I had debated going to the game, and I'm fine. I'm fine if you know that, that I didn't, but uh, I kind of wish I had. Now, definitely didn't look like an NFL stadium. No, no, and, and I mean, yeah, the, the whole I, the whole Franklin thing. I mean, a I will continue to say it's insane because he's two games into his third season, and they uh, on paper at the very least have improved twice. Um, it's absolutely insane that we're talking about is he fired now, now, now. But I get it from the sense that um, you got to win rivalry games, or you know what you want. You know, obviously Penn State fans might have a an interesting sense of. Uh, who their rivals are at the moment, but the bottom line th- through two game, two years and two games, uh, Franklin is uh, against Michigan, Michigan State, uh, uh, Ohio State, and Pitt. He's zero and seven, and he's two and two against Maryland and Temple. Um, so I mean, I can point all I want to to improvement on the on paper, but I mean, he he knew what job he was taking and how insane yep. it probably would be. So none of this is probably a surprise to him at the very least. But no, I mean the offense. Uh, looked bad and then looked good and then made a terrible decision at the very end and uh, cost them the game. They still scored 18 points in the third quarter. They still made a nice comeback. 
uh, that probably eases the pain like 1%. But yeah, go out and beat Temple now. Um, and, and he probably, uh, for, the, for the time being, he should be okay. But no, I mean, if you, if you, this might not be a bad time to maybe figure out how to beat Michigan State or Michigan or Ohio State. Pitt was throwing screens to fullbacks in the red zone. It's sexy. I just want to make, want to make note of that. What's going on with Clemson? Um, it, I bounced in and out because it was the definition of what week two was. Um, but other than rubbernecking on it, um, I'm not sure what we're seeing here. No, I mean, it really I, – I got yelled at. I, I made it, managed to make a whole bunch of fan bases mad at the same time yesterday because I, um, I said, you know, 2014 Florida State, 2015 Ohio State, 2016 Clemson, the hangover, the, the hangover effect is real. And, of course, then Florida State fans got mad because Clemson didn't win the national title like we did. Uh, and Clemson fans got mad because they I, they thought I was predicting like you know a seven and five season and pointed out that those teams did just fine. Um, no kidding, they did just fine. That wasn't the point at all. The point was that Florida State and Ohio State uh, p- played massively hungover for the first month plus of the season. So of course, I mean that 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 was it. They're just they're not playing sharp. They're not playing sharp football, and they got lucky yesterday. They were you know it was thirteen ten. They you know score the what was kind of the game clinching touchdown early in the fourth quarter, they should have been called for a fumble, the the play before the touchdown. And that fumble would have been returned for a touchdown and they would have been behind uh, Troy in the early fourth quarter. So this is absolutely a kind of a hangover thing where you just, you look at the components here. I mean, the offense is mostly, I mean, the defense, excuse me, is mostly fine. They had the one, they gave up the one long touchdown to Jabir Fry. Uh, but I mean, the quarterback, Troy quarterback, um, you know, barely 50% of his passes at like five and a half yards per pass, a couple interceptions. Like the defense really isn't a problem here, but the offense, I mean, Deshaun Watson was 27 for 53 with two picks and Wayne Gallman, nine carries, 34 yards. Um, I mean, it's just not in sync at all. And, you know, as long as you keep winning, I mean, I can talk all I want about how bad you might look, but as long as you keep winning, you have another chance to figure everything out. And, and Ohio State, you know, Florida State managed two years ago to keep going uh, and win a bunch of close games, whether they should have or not. Last year, Ohio State kind of limped through the first month, but then hit fifth gear and looked great right up until the moment that Michigan State game started. So um, it, it definitely didn't mean anything massive, but they just aren't in sync right now, and I don't think any of us expected that. I have five. I have five emails in my in my inbox from Oklahoma State Athlete, uh, Sports Information Director Gavin Lang. I've never quite seen a, a an occurrence of PR after a game like I saw yesterday. Um, <laughs> they got screwed. Oh man! It sounded like they really did get screwed because that last play shouldn't have counted at all. Um, uh, but it did, and it was awesome. <laughs> so I feel bad. All right, all right, we're we're not doing a good job here. This is uh, being abbreviated is not uh, our strong suit, but we're already down to about ten and a half minutes. So oh wow! Uh, all right. So the only thing I'll say from this is that everyone saw the play at Oklahoma State. Um, I've never seen an athletic director go on the offensive quite like this. And really, obviously, the, the outcome of the game is not going to change. But the last quote, the last press release that was sent was a quote from uh, athletic director Mike Holder. We contacted everyone that could help us understand the situation and do something to change the outcome. We were told there was nothing that could be done about the officials there at the end of the game, and the result is final. In my mind, it is incomprehensible that a mistake made after time had expired yep. cannot be corrected. The well, final and, score shows and, that Oklahoma State lost the game, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. That is ballsy, ballsy stuff. Well, the thing is, he's right. This isn't a case where, you know, there's like a blurry thing like this play, they should have had to redo this play or this or that. I mean, technically, if you if if you go back and say this rule book interpretation was wrong, 
then you don't have to go on the field for one more play or like because there should have been two seconds or whatever. Technically, if you admit that the play, the call was wrong, the game is over at that moment. Like there, you know, you just lop off the final. But you could absolutely do that. Um, it, you could say that the the officials made the inter the wrong call and therefore you know loss of down with zero seconds left. The game was officially over. You there 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 is no gray area. You could do it. And so I would absolutely be mad if I was Oklahoma State. I mean, also you you gave up that play, and you somehow didn't see Central Michigan attempting a lateral, which is on you. But the play shouldn't have counted. And so I would, I mean, yeah. I have a I have a one line box score bingo for you. When is a team excited about um, a stat line that is six of fourteen for hundred a hundred yards passing, seven seven yard average, one TD, one pick, and a QBR of ninety one? When you're LSU, um, this was a lot of. I mean, obviously, Danny Elling comes in the game. Brandon Harris is benched. It makes sense, but um, it's not really great when you look down the road. But LSU came out completely flat against Jacksonville State again. Um, I kept seeing reports online this week that there were going to be some sort of organized booing or jeering of the team, which is kind of terrible by one of the best fan bases in all of sports. So I'm glad that didn't happen, at least to my knowledge. LSU wins the game. That's all that really matters. They score... Uh, 27 points after being shut out in the first quarter, and then they just kind of they roll as they're supposed to because they're infinitely more talented than a team like Jacksonville. Also, probably one of the best returns for a touchdown I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't. Um, that's one of the many games on my DVR, but yeah, I saw like two quick little clips of that play. Shredavious Wright returns a punt. Um, it was 59 yards in stats, but it was about mm, 260 in terms of actual like t- you know. Uh, area traveled it was badass and definitely something you should check out probably I I mean other than the weirdness of what happened with Central Michigan it's probably the play of the day for me just I don't freak out over term like pure athleticism a lot but that was pretty awesome it's pretty cool uh TCU Arkansas this is a game that I've got queued up first on the DVR for today because obviously I spent my evening uh at beautiful Ferrofio watching uh Eastern Michigan's pass defense get torched uh, but I, it was, this was a fun one to keep up with, uh, like, okay, TCU's taking the lead. Oh, wait, Arkansas tied. Uh, TCU's already back, uh, trying to take the lead at the end of regulation. Uh, and then, you know, the trick plays and all that, this, this appears to have been a really, really fun game. Narrative wise, Arkansas has not become this, the lunch pail fat guy, uh, grinded up old Wisconsin team that everyone thought Bielma was going to import into Fayetteville. Except, well, he did, and then he, except, he it. except when they are. And that's what's so weird because they, the offense can disappear for, for quarters and quarters at a time. But what's so funny is what's standing out to people now about Arkansas are these late game and overtime heroics where they're actually moving the ball pretty pretty quick relative to the kind of crap that Bielema preaches. And so it's sort of strange that of all teams in the SEC, that it, I'm not going to say they're going to guarantee you a good time, but they often show up and just completely steal away an evening like they did. Um, yeah, no, they play more of these uh, stupid games than anybody. It's great. It's amazing. Um, well, and, yeah, know, so they bring in a 6'10 offensive lineman, Dan Skipper, on their field goal block unit. He changes the whole game. And then, you know, they're 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 throwing to, like, man-children tight end named Sprinkle. It's just, just I tweeted about it last night. Bielema is peaking in terms of his culture. Um, they're still not as consistent as they need to be on offense, obviously. But um, I thought they did a pretty decent job with TCU until things just got wonky uh, on defense. But I think maybe probably you should kind of shift and pivot and talk about TCU here because this was a very, very sexy playoff pick.
Yeah, and Austin Allen, 17 for 29, 223 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, this does not make me feel any better about TCU's pass defense than I was a week ago uh, after South Dakota State. I mean, they, they handled their Arkansas run pretty well. Raleigh Williams and Cody Walker had 35 carries for 156. Um, you know, that's that's barely, you know, more than four yards per carry, I think. So, yeah, Ra- uh, Williams was just under five yards a clip, but uh... – they did not look like in the in the second and third quarter especially you thought TCU was you thought they were sort of gearing up to address what they had done last week but right. no they could just kind of and things just get nuts they <laughs> Bielema is very good at creating a, a chaotic atmosphere and then navigating through it that's kind of, that's what I've always said about less miles but these crazy games that Arkansas plays in every year uh, you know back to the the old Miss game last year that kind of changed the national title race kind of a little bit a lot <laughs> that too. Um, Tennessee, be, Virginia Tech. Uh, super, super exciting pregame atmosphere. All everything it was hyped up to be. Da da da. We've talked a lot about that on SB Nation. Um, Virginia Tech comes out looking amazing, and then completely disappears on offense. Give a ton of credit to Bob Shoop. They made uh, one of the best series of adjustments I've seen in this very, very young season so far. And that uh, they made a transfer quarterback who was just learning a new system look like a transfer quarterback who's just learning a new system. Uh, really fun, and and I will say this: everybody jumped in. I mean, because it it got so bad so fast, and then but then stopped so abruptly that yeah. the the meme train rolled on Tennessee. And I don't think people are it, I, people in our industry, even coworkers and colleagues and stuff. I don't think people are really ready to accept the fact that you know Tennessee came back and scored was it I think thirty one unanswered points and just completely took the game away and did a lot of the stuff that they were supposed to last week against App State. Right. I mean that's still don't know, feel great though. Just still don't like still doesn't look like this is a team that has fundamental issues on an offensive line. And Dobbs looked really good at times. He looked better than he has, but still not dominant. Still not the no, division I mean, winner you're penciling into like upset Alabama and Atlanta. It's just not actually, there. They actually went deep against Appalachian State, and it worked. And that was something they didn't even, like, attempt hardly last year. Like, I, I joked in the – I think it was in my numerical. They'd been setting up that play-action bomb for a year and a half. Um, and and then, uh, you know, the other thing that kind of drove me crazy about Tennessee not doing was they weren't running Josh Dobbs very much at all. Like, that's supposedly one of his strengths is his mobility, and he just barely got to ever show it. 14 carries, 106 yards yesterday, and it's good because Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara had 25 carries for 108 yards. Um, again, barely four yards per carry, and Josh Dobbs went 10 for 19 for 91. Now, I mean, the line will say, you know, three touchdown passes. Who cares? He, he had 10 completions for 91 yards. Um, you know, the the fact that three of them were went for touchdowns is is obviously good, but it doesn't tell you much about very good about the overall picture. So, um, how much but, time do we have left, Bill? Uh, <laughs> under three minutes. Under three so, minutes. Uh, so real fast. Uh, Service Academy six and zero. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Don't want to dwell on it, but it's neat. Okay. Yeah. Georgia. We didn't get to Georgia. Um, I think maybe it's just. Uh, uh, you look at the box score. Defense wasn't great. Uh, maybe we write this one off and not yeah, do I any really, dire I, I, judgment. I have to talk about Georgia a lot this week for the for Missouri's uh, game, obviously, and I'm gonna really have to try to sit down and figure out what that because I wasn't even minding that game at all yesterday. There was too much else going on, uh, and every single time I thought about that, I might have to pay attention. Georgia would score and, and kind of put the game away. So yeah, we'll punt on that one for now. But it was weird. 
Uh, Combination, I think, of Easton, Easton getting uh, the lion's share of the work and, and still showing some, some freshmanness, and then also maybe there is something to that kind of sleepy time. Remember, it's the old Jefferson pilot slot, kids, yeah. and weird stuff always happen in those games. Um, uh, one, thing, one thing to mention, uh, just because yeah. I'm, uh, this is, uh, I'm Missouri, therefore I get to mention it. Um, yesterday, uh, Missouri's offense, Missouri's offense, over a five-drive span, went 12 plays, 76 yards, touchdown, one play, 87 yards, touchdown. Three plays, 87 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 78 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 76 yard touchdown. Damn. Let uh, me tell you how good that felt. That, talk about hadn't seen in a while. Something you have seen in a, for a very long time is SMU getting the doors blown off. Um, yeah. I, it took a while, like was, Yeah, uh, I, I was a little – actually looked better against Baylor last year than they did this year. Um, I, I may have been a little premature in, in anointing SMU close to a 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six team, although, you know, long season. Um, Baylor still looks Baylor. Just FYI, Baylor is a two and O Baylor. Yeah, <laughs> I was really. It is funny. Like we're all kind of dreading that. Like, oh, they're going to be like ten and O, and we're going to have to talk about them, aren't we? It's it is it is creeping that way. Um, anything positive or non comedic that we do want to say about Iowa? I don't really have anything. No, they, yet. I just think that Iowa's scraping at the bottom. They Iowa looks the part. Uh, first half of last week's game and most of this week's game they they looked the part uh you know and i said when i said in my preview like if they try to do what they did last year they're not going to get away with it again but they could still actually improve and be better and therefore have another really good record um so far so good they've looked they've already looked better than they did last year and didn't they watch, were 12-0 last year so didn't watch a stitch of florida state ohio state michigan houston washington wisconsin texas oklahoma well, that's annoying. Yep. All right. Well, so we'll leave it on that. Basically, with with a, a large majority of the superstars completely out of service playing scrub games, it was still a super awesome weekend because it always is. Because you should trust us, and we're hey, going to be back way, Wednesday. By the way, um, Iowa fans have reason to at least gloat a little bit compared to you know in terms of the the fan bases that yelled at me the most. Iowa fans are in good shape. Houston fans are in good shape. Uh, sorry, Northwestern and Washington State fans. Uh, I will see you, Bill, on Wednesday. We're going to yep. be talking about a, we're going to be talking about a marquee week three that's going to start with a Thursday night game between oh I don't know Cincinnati and Houston salty um, and it, gosh we have so much stuff coming up all right we'll get to all that Wednesday we'll see you guys then.